Good morning again, dear friends. It's good to see you. It's been a wonderful day of worship. You have your Bible. Take them out, please. I want you to head over to your New Testament to James chapter 2. Will you go to James 2 with me this morning? As you make your way over to James, the second chapter, I want to say there's a wonderful crowd here this morning. I was talking with Mitch, Brother Mitch, before the service started, and we were saying that this may be the biggest crowd we've had in a while. And that is a blessing. We've gone through a lot together uh, over the past few weeks with COVID cases, including yours truly. But uh, it is so good to look out and, and see this good number of folks here this morning, here to worship and serve God. I hope we can keep this momentum going. It is such a blessing to see you here this morning. In James chapter 2, will you read with me? We're going to start with verse number 25. In James 2 and verse 25, it says, in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. I want you to pay close attention to the person that is mentioned in verse number 25 of this text. You see the person mentioned there in verse number 25? Let me ask you something. When is the last time... When's the last time you, you did some serious Bible study on the person mentioned there in that verse? When's the last time you did some serious Bible study on Rahab the harlot? When's the last time you studied Rahab the harlot with a group of Christians? When's the last time you studied her with your spouse or with your kids? When's the last time you just opened up your Bible on your own and said, you know what I want to do today? I just want to rehearse what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me through the Bible about Rahab the harlot. When's the last time you did some serious Bible study on this woman? I ask you that question because I believe. I believe that out of all of the people mentioned in the Bible, this woman, Rahab the harlot, may be the one who makes us feel the most uncomfortable. She may be the one who causes us to wiggle and squirm the most. She may be the most controversial figure in all of the Bible because she was, yeah, she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She was someone who engaged with sec and sexual activity with men for money. She lived a very immoral life. There's no doubt about that. And yet, she's still a big part of the gospel. She's still a big part of the New Testament. In addition to being one of only four women mentioned by Matthew as being in the genealogy of Jesus. Well, Rahab is also described as She's described as a great woman of faith. She's described as someone who rose above her immoral lifestyle. And she became a mighty servant of God. That is exactly what James is telling us here in James chapter 2. And that is also exactly what the Hebrew writer tells us in one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. Remember in Hebrews chapter 11, Rahab the harlot is mentioned alongside people like Abraham and Noah 
and Sarah and Moses and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David. She is mentioned alongside some of the most faithful servants of God that we can read about in all the Bible. And what I want to know is this. I want to know how in the world did that happen? How in the world, world is that even possible? How in the world is it possible that a harlot, a prostitute, becomes a believer in God and develops a faith in God that is commended by the Holy Spirit over and over again? Well, this morning, if you don't mind, that's what I want to talk about. This morning, if you don't mind, I just want to encourage you. And I want to equip you in your service to God by giving you four things, four things that the Bible reveals to us about Rahab the harlot and her faith. And the first thing I want to say about her faith is this. The first thing I think we need to understand about the faith of Rahab the harlot is, number one, Rahab's faith is commended by God because it wasn't blind. It wasn't a blind faith. Instead, it was a faith based on evidence. It was a faith based on verifiable facts. We learned that back in Joshua chapter 2. Go in your Bible, please. Joshua chapter 2. Brother Brett read for us this morning. Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And to go back there to Joshua chapter 2, let's just kind of set up the context here, here. In Joshua chapter 2, the people of Israel, how they have completed their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The 40 years of wandering are over. Moses is gone. The great servant of God has died. And now Joshua has been given the responsibility of taking the people of Israel into the promised land. Joshua is going to lead them across the Jordan River. And he's going to lead them to driving out the Canaanites and they're going to take possession of the land. In fact, the first city that they're going to conquer is right across the river. It is the mighty and well-fortified city of Jericho. The Israelites are going to drive out the people of Jericho before they do anything else. But before just going in Jericho and starting to fight these people, Joshua decides, he decides to first send some spies in. He actually decides to send in two spies to see what this city is all about. In fact, by the providence of God, when these two spies get inside the city's walls, they're able to meet Rahab. They're able to enter into the house of Rahab. And when the king of Jericho found out about that, when he found out that these two spies were in her home, well, he sent some soldiers over there. And he demanded that they be brought out. The king of Jericho knew who these men were. He knew they were Hebrews. He knew they were there for no good reason. And he wanted them to be brought out before his soldiers. And instead of doing what the king has asked her to do, you know what Rahab does? Well, she does something that we need to just, just to be honest about this morning and not sugarcoat it. She lies. She tells a bold-faced lie. She is dishonest. She says some things to these soldiers that is just not true. After hiding these spies on her roof under stalks of flax, she told the soldiers that they're not here. She said they are gone. 
They've gone that way. They've left the city. And if you hurry up, you might catch them. Rahab does not tell the truth in this situation. She does something that the Bible condemns over and over and over again. She lies. She is dishonest. But we need to understand that the Bible never commends that. The Bible never commends Rahab's lying. Instead, the Bible commends what? It commends her faith. You see, her actions here show us that like all of the other regular and ordinary people that we can read about in Hebrews chapter 11, Rahab also wasn't perfect. Rahab was also just like me and you. She was a sinner. She didn't do what was right as far as her lying goes. But this does bring us to another question we need to think about. And, why, and that is, why in the world does she do this? Why in the world does she protect these strangers? Why in the world does she risk her life to hide some Hebrew spies? Well, the scripture tells us when we go back to Joshua chapter 2. Let's pick up with verse number 8. After sending the soldiers of the king of Jericho in a different direction, and in a direction that was away from the spies. In verse number 8 of Joshua 2, it says, Now behold, or before they lay down, before the spies lay down, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, Now watch this language. I know. I got that highlighted in my Bible. I like that. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard. We have heard. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og whom you utterly destroyed when we heard it. It comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on, on earth beneath. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. I want to beg you, I want to beg you to please let those verses, let those verses really soak in your heart for just a moment. I submit to you that those verses we just read are critically important because they tell us exactly why Rahab did what she did. They tell us exactly why she hit those spies. Notice how the reason why. She hid those spies on her roof. It wasn't because they offered to give her a bunch of money. It wasn't because they said to her, hey, well, if you keep your mouth shut and hide us, we'll give you all that we have. We'll give you a bunch of money. No, Rahab didn't hide those guys because they offered her silver and gold and all their possessions. Instead, she hid them because she believed in God. She believed in their God. She believed in the God that the Hebrews worshiped and served. She believed in the one true and living God because she says she had heard about him. 
She had heard about his amazing power. She had heard about his judgment. She had heard about all the remarkable things that he was doing among his people. She had heard about how he delivered his people from Egyptian bondage. And about how he had miraculously brought them across the Red Sea and about how he had led them to defeating the kings of the Amorites. Rahab said that she had heard about the amazing power of God and that caused her to fear God. That caused her heart to melt with fear. That caused her to know for certainty that the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Israelites was the one true and living God and the gods that she was worshiping and the gods her people were worshiping, well, they were false gods. They were phony. They were they were fakes. You see, Rahab came to believe in God. Because she had heard about his power and brothers and sisters, that is certainly that is certainly what God desired to happen. That is exactly what God wanted to take place. In fact, I believe that that is exactly why God providentially led those spies to Rahab. You see, God knew what was going on in that city before Joshua did. He knew what was going on before those spies went into the city. And those spies went in there and they were led providentially to Rahab because God knew there was somebody in that city who needed some saving. There was somebody in that city who had a good heart, who had an honest heart, and they didn't need to be destroyed with the rest of those people. You see, by bringing judgment on the wicked people who lived in Canaan, God was doing something. By bringing judgment on the Canaanites and by, and by bringing judgment on the Egyptians, not only was God bringing about great victories for his people, the people of Israel, and not only was he keeping his promises to the patriarchs, but he also was doing some things that caused the wicked people in Canaan to turn away from their sins. He also was providing evidence to the people in Canaan. That he was the one true and living God. You see, Rahab came to believe in God, not because she was raised by her parents to believe in God, because she wasn't. And not because her friends were serving God and not because she was just trying to fit in with her culture that was worshiping God, because her culture definitely wasn't worshiping God. No, Rahab came to believe in God because she had heard about God. She had heard about the power of God and she believed it. She believed the evidence. She had heard the testimony of people who had experienced and witnessed the power of God, and she believed that testimony. She believed that evidence. She was convicted by the evidence. She didn't have a blind faith. She didn't have a faith where she believed in God just because she wanted to or because it just looked right or because it just felt right. No, Rahab's faith was based on evidence. It was based on verifiable facts. And let me tell you something. That's exactly the kind of faith God wants us to have. That's the faith God wants me to have. That's the faith God wants you to have. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In Luke chapter 1, if you're keeping up with that Bible reading, and I certainly hope you are, but in Luke 1, Luke says that he wrote his gospel to give us eyewitness testimony, to give us proof, to give us convincing 
proof. Paul says in Romans 1 and verse 4 that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the evidence concerning the resurrection, confirms that Jesus is not just the Son of God, but he is the Son of God with power. Paul says the resurrection of Jesus Christ is designed to be evidence for us, evidence to believe that he is who he claimed to be. And then we go over to John because John makes this point. We're going to come back to Joshua 2, so go ahead and put your Bible marker there, please. But back in John, you remember what John said after he tells us about the time when Thomas was able to see and examine the risen body of Jesus? Well, in John chapter 20, in verse number 30, John says in John 20, verse 30, Therefore, many other signs, many other miracles, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you can believe, so that you can have evidence to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you can have life, spiritual life in his name. Notice how John is telling us here that like Rahab in Joshua chapter 2, God also doesn't want us to have a blind faith. God also doesn't want us to have a faith that is unreasonable and illogical. God also doesn't want us to have a faith that can't be backed up with verifiable facts. Instead, God wants us to have a faith that has developed by carefully examining the evidence, by carefully examining the evidence concerning eyewitnesses of Jesus, and then ask ourselves some reasonable questions. Questions like, why would they make all this stuff up? Why would they make up the fact that Jesus died and he was buried, but he was raised from the dead? Why would they make up that story, especially when you stop and consider the fact that they were persecuted preaching that message? Does that make any kind of sense? See, see that's the kind of stuff we got to do. Like Rahab, like Rahab, God wants us to have real faith. Faith that comes from carefully examining the evidence provided by people who have witnessed and experienced the power of God. God wants us to come to believe in him from an honest heart because we've studied the evidence and we are convicted by the evidence. Rahab's faith wasn't a blind faith. And then secondly, it also wasn't a belief only kind of faith. You, you, you know what I mean when I say that. Her faith wasn't belief only. It wasn't a dead faith. Instead, it was an active faith. It was a faith where she did something to demonstrate her belief and trust in God. This is the point the Hebrew writer is trying to make to us in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number 31, the Hebrews writer says, By faith Rahab the harlot. Rahab, and it's interesting how the Hebrew writer and James, when they mention her, they both call her Rahab the harlot. They want us to know she's a harlot, but she became a faithful servant of God. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Notice how Rahab's faith wasn't just merely mental assent. She didn't just believe that God was real and believe in his power, but she did something. She did something to demonstrate her belief and trust in God. She welcomed the spies that were sent by Jericho. She did some action. James makes a similar point. In fact, this is the point that James is making in James chapter 2. In James 2, verses 25 and 26, he says, in the same way, 
was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works, by obedience, by doing something to demonstrate faith and trust in God? Was she not also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Notice how here James is making the point that real faith in God is not just belief, but it's belief accompanied with action. That's what Rahab demonstrated. That's the point he's making there. And we see that firsthand when we go back to Joshua. Go back to Joshua again, please. And we're going to pick up our reading this time. We're going back to Joshua chapter 2. And we want to pick up with verse number 14. After Rahab confesses and acknowledges her belief in God and she begs these spies to spare her family once Israel comes into Jericho and they start destroying the city. It says in verse 14, so the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, go to the hill country so that the pursuers will, will not happen upon you and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return, then afterward you may go on your way. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made us swear, unless, now notice this, unless, when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down, and gather yourself into the house of your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street his blood should be on his head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood should be on his head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. She said, according to your word, so be it. She sent them away, and they departed, and she tied. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and came to the hill country, remained there for three days, until the pursuers returned, now the pursuers had sought them all along the road, but had not found them. Okay, I want you to notice carefully what's going on here. Notice how, after professing her faith in the God that the Hebrews served, God, through these spies, extended grace to her. He extended kindness. He extended mercy, but for her to be able to receive those blessings, well, she was going to have to do something. She was going to have to take some action. She was going to have to trust those spies. She was going to have to obey their specific instructions. She was going to have to tie a scarlet cord in her window. This would enable the army of God to be able to recognize where she was whenever they started to destroy the city. Verse number 21 of the text tells us that she did exactly what they said. She put that cord in her window, and when you get to chapter 6, and the people of Israel are coming into the city, and they're murdering all these people, killing all these people, well, Rahab is, is spared. She is saved from God's wrath, her active faith led to her salvation. She teaches us that real faith in God, genuine faith, authentic faith, faith that pleases God, 
is a faith that does something. It's a faith that acts. It is a faith that leads us to doing what is necessary to receive God's grace. You know, in our Sermon on the Mount class that we are doing back there in the back right now, one of the points that we're trying to continually emphasize is we're not back there in that classroom just trying to learn a bunch of stuff. We're not back in that classroom just trying to fill up our mental filing cabinets and learn a bunch of stuff from Jesus and learn a bunch of Hebrew and Greek. No, that, that's not why we're back there. We're not just back there to learn information from the greatest preacher in the history of the world, but we're also trying, we're trying to learn what we need to do. We want to do something. We want to be changed. We want to be truly changed by the teachings of Jesus. You see, the teachings of Jesus and the gospel don't do us any good if we don't apply them. If we don't act on them, if we don't allow the teaching to change us in our everyday lives. Rahab had a faith that was an active faith. It did something to demonstrate trust in God. The question, though, is do we have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? Do I have that kind of faith? Do we have a kind of faith right now that is leading us to act? It is leading us every day to pray and pour our hearts out to a God that we can't see. It is leading us to live according to God's moral standard on our jobs. And when you're at school, young people, and when you're hanging out with your friends, and even when you are in the privacy of your own home, do we have a kind of faith that is leading us to doing some work in this church, work that is leading us to put our hands to the plow? Are we active in our service to God in this place? Are we trying to serve God, trying to serve his people, trying to use our talents and abilities to glorify God? Or right now, do we have a kind of faith that is just leading us to sit in a pew? That's all we do is sit in a pew. We come to church and we go home. That's it. Is that the kind of faith we have? If so, we're not like Rahab. Rahab didn't have that kind of faith. Rahab didn't have a blind faith. She didn't have a belief-only kind of faith. And you know what else she didn't have? She didn't have a faith that was dependent on others. Let me ask you a question. When you look at the story of Rahab, do you think that the rest of the people in Jericho were like her. You think the other people in Jericho believed in God? You think they were serving God? You think they wanted to worship God? You think they also had heard about the great power of God that had been demonstrated in Egypt and on the other side of the Jordan? They were convicted by that evidence. Oh, now we want to serve God because we heard about what God has done. Do you think they had an attitude like that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You see, we got to understand these people in Jericho are not being wiped out by God because they're good, honest, and ethical and moral people. They're not being wiped out by God because they had faith in God and they love God and they wanted to pray and worship him as often as they could. No, no, sir, no, ma'am. These people are being wiped out by God because they were wicked. They were unholy and they were defiled. They were not the kind of people who were pleasing God, but Rahab was different. 
Rahab was different than the people in her culture and in her society, where her culture and her society rejected God and refused to repent when they heard about his amazing power. Rahab was determined to go down a different path. Instead of continuing to believe in the false gods of her city and her society, she decided to believe in God and have faith in God. She decided to fear God and do what was required to avoid his wrath. Instead of just doing what everybody else in her society was doing at that time, Rahab chose to be different. Rahab chose to develop a faith of her own, a faith that was real and genuine and authentic. That's what the scripture says about her, and that's a lesson we really need to appreciate. That's a lesson that we really need to take to heart especially in the culture in which we live today. I mean, living in a culture and world and society where the vast majority of people don't care about God, don't care about the Bible, they don't want to do what God says, we need to be like Rahab. We need to have faith like Rahab. Like Rahab, we need to be different. We need to think different, live different, dress different, talk different, Treat people different, have different kinds of priorities. It doesn't matter if we are the only Christian on our workplace. It doesn't matter if we're the only Christian in our school or on our sports team. It doesn't matter if we are one of only a few hundred Christians in one of the largest cities in America, which is Phoenix, Arizona. No matter where we are, or what we're doing, if Rahab could develop a real and genuine faith in God in the heathen city of Jericho, well, guess what? We should be able to do that today. We also should be able to develop and maintain a faith that is rock solid and strong in a society that God overall is not pleased with. Rahab's faith wasn't dependent on others. And let me just close by saying this. Her faith also didn't last for just a short amount of time. It didn't last for just a short amount of time. When you go back to Joshua one more time, and I want to fast forward the story now to chapter 6, please. In Joshua 6, after God miraculously brings down the walls of Jericho and the people are able to go in and start killing the people of Jericho, because God is bringing judgment on them through Israel. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 22, it says, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house, bring the woman and all that she has out there, out of there as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in, and they brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had, they also brought out all the relatives and placed them outside of the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it, only the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron, they put it into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Now look at verse 25. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all that she had, Joshua spared and she has lived according from the perspective of the writer here. She has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. 
Notice here how when it came to Rahab's faith, Rahab's faith wasn't something that she developed just to avoid experiencing the judgment of God. It wasn't something that she developed just so she and her family could avoid experiencing God's wrath. No, the scripture says that Rahab became a true believer. Rahab really truly became changed by her faith in God. After the city of Jericho was destroyed, instead of going about her merry little way, she was incorporated into the people of God. She remained with the Israelites until the day that she died. In fact, you and I both know that later on, she's going to be part of the family of Jesus. You see, Rahab may have been a harlot for a period of time, but she changed. She was truly converted. She may have started out with a bad, wicked, and immoral life, but because of her faith in God and because of the grace and the mercy and love of God, she ended good. She ended very good. Rahab had a sincere and genuine faith, and she was changed by that faith. The question is, what about you? What about your life and your faith? Have you been changed by a sincere and genuine faith in God? Or are you currently living a life where you're just trying to come up with all kinds of excuses as to why you can't serve God? You're living a life where you're saying things like, well, I just can't stop this sin. It's too hard for me to overcome. I've been doing this for far too long to stop now. Are you thinking like that? Are you living a life where you're coming up with all kinds of excuses for why you can't serve God? Are you living a double life? Are you living a hypocritical life? Are you on the verge of quitting? Did you develop a faith during a time of crisis, maybe? But now that everything's going okay in your life, now that you got sunshine and, and, and rosy days, now that things are going the way you want them to go, well, now you're slacking. You've forgotten about God. You don't pray much. You don't read your Bible much. You're hitting miss for worship services. Your faith is hanging on by a thread. Does that describe you right now? If it does, then please do something for me. Please learn from Rahab. Please understand that God doesn't want you to have a faith that pleases him for just a few days or a few weeks or a few months or even a few years. No, God wants you to have a faith that pleases him for the rest of your life. He wants your faith to really change you, to make you like Jesus Christ, to cause you to be fully committed to him all the days of your life. What I just want you to see this morning, my dear friends, is there's a reason why this woman is mentioned so much in the Bible. There's a reason why the Hebrew writer mentions her and why James mentions her. This woman had great faith. This woman had a faith that was so great that through it, she accepted God's grace on his terms and she was saved and became part of the people of God. She had a great faith in God. And the question is, do you need to have that this morning? Do you need to have the kind of faith that Rahab had?
you need to have a faith that leads you to accept God's grace on his terms. If so, then you have a perfect and wonderful opportunity this morning to, to do that, whether it means you need to accept God's grace through faith and repentance and baptism for remission of sins, or if you need to come back to God because you haven't been living that kind of life that he expects from his people. Whatever spiritual needs you may have this morning, we'll love to help you with that right here and right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together. Pray.